on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and look, the Carlton community, they might be getting excited about the return of some big names in Pitnet, maybe even the McGovern. <laughs> and certainly they were excited this week with the great Jacob Weedering making his return. But I think we've topped that here on the Navy Blue Corner with the much anticipated return of the one and only Lockie Lydiard. <laughs> mate, how have you been? Holy smokes, mate. Never have I ever had a better intro in my life. Thank you very much. You're very gracious. And what a great job you've done over the past month, I have to say. Brilliant job keeping down the fort and bringing the community together in the process, I feel. Oh, mate. Look, I appreciate it. And I gave some big, big intros to uh, all the lovely guests that we thanked so much for helping us out um, in Lockie's absence when he was holidaying away in Europe. So I thought I'd have to to give you one. And look, you've you've done appreciate very well that. here because you've you've timed your comeback uh, with the Blues recording their biggest win of the season, beating West Coast by 63 points. Mate, it was an interesting game. There were many ups and downs. How impressed were you with the end result in that game? Incredibly impressed, of course. I mean, keeping a side scoreless in two quarters is Mm. always something that has to be celebrated no matter who the opposition, I think. And like you said, we're still a roller coaster. We're used to that now. Um, but it was, I think, especially pleasing that the guys that kind of didn't step up in that second quarter yeah. when we got right at the top, they stood up in the end. So got to be very happy with that, I think. Yeah, and what, we're 11 and 5. Both, I went oh. through back through the predictions because I wanted to see both of us <laughs> at the start of the year. We predicted 12 wins. Now, it could still all... Turn to who knows what, and we might not even still be 11 wins. There's a chance, but I doubt that'll happen. And the boys have proven it so far. The fact that we said we get 12 wins, we're already got 11 at this stage, is just incredible. What a season we're seeing from these guys. Yes, we'll talk about the ups and downs from that game, but at our best, we're just so exciting. And I mean, let's let's get straight into it. Let's talk about that first quarter because mm. I know there was a lot of nerves from a lot of people out there, which I don't know how many times I've had to come on this podcast in the past month and reassure everyone and just say, just calm down, guys. Every yeah. result in every single round, upsets are happening. Let's not worry about it. Let's just worry about us. Let's win our games of footy. And... I mean, we came out hot. We came out ridiculously strong. We had 24 to 2 inside 50s in the quarter. I think it took (laughs) them about 13 minutes for West Coast to even get the ball inside their 50. Um, The score was 34 to 0 at quarter time. We kept West Coast scoreless. I mean, what did you make of that first electrifying quarter? And even when you go into quarter time 34 to nil up, I don't know if you were thinking this too, but it's like, we could be higher. We could mm. be even higher up if we are uh, converted more. And you said, I think you might have posted on Twitter that you felt like it was similar to that Hawthorne game a few years ago. 
for me, I was being reminded of Leon Cameron's last game in even more recent memory mm. where I'm like, gee, we have just come out of the absolute blocks here. And even though this has been absolutely brilliant, we know that the other team is going to come. So I had that in the back of my mind moving forward. But of course, that mm. first quarter was just brilliant. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Just the the pressure was up. And these are the little things that when Carlton are playing yeah. well, there's basically two facets of the game that are going well. It's that tackle pressure. I mean, the amount of smothers that we were getting, particularly in our forward uh, forward half, was incredible. We forced so many errors um, from West Coast. They were turning the ball over, which was leading to scores. And we just didn't allow them through the pressure and through the way we were positioning defensively across the ground. We weren't giving them the easy outs for once. And every time they finally won possession of the ball, they were under so much pressure that they were turning it over and they weren't able to transition out the back. Were there any other key things from that first quarter that you liked that you saw us take that big lead into quarter time? Yeah, well, 30 seconds in, uh, you already saying to yourself, wow, the pressure's there. You could feel it right from the bounce, mm. which you love to see, as you said. I mean, the thing that stood out to me the most was going into quarter time, it was like they we are on top in yeah. every facet of this. Yeah. We're locking it inside 50 when we can. And when they when they manage to get it out, the defensive structure is holding up. Mm. And it like it just reiterates that point that we can see that when we are at our best and when everything is working well, it is an unbelievable system and set of personnel that we have. Mm. Um, so it was just brilliant. And like I said, there was still some of those goals that, yeah, it could have been 50 to zero very easily. Mm. So it was yeah. so pleasing. I guess I have to ask you that question because I tweeted at quarter time. I saw a lot of negativity when I jumped onto Twitter uh, to get everyone's sort of feelings on that first quarter. A lot mm. unhappy, a lot thinking that we left a lot of the uh, opportunities out there, didn't capitalize when we were on top. What did you think? Were you quite unhappy with it? Or, or what did you what did you feel going in at quarter time? Because personally, when we kept them scoreless, I didn't care about everything oh, else because I saw how, how well everything else was going. You know me and my optimism, mate, and <laughs> what we are used to seeing dished up by this team in years gone by. So no, you'll never, I'll never be unhappy with uh, mm. a scoreless performance by the other team. I mean, you can't, you can't put together perfect performances, and I, I saw a lot of that negativity too. When I was, I was thinking about, we actually have some really good questions later on, similar to this, but I was thinking about some of the other more successful teams than us in recent times, and they obviously have moments like this in games where yeah. bad teams jump them. And I, I wondered to myself, do, do their supporters, you know, have this kind of reaction? And I, I feel like it really is kind of just about where we've been over these mm. last few years. And so I think as we as we continue to grow and continue to get more and more wins, that kind of feeling will subside and we'll be able to have more confidence that even if we, you know, get jumped or don't kick straight, that we'll have faith. So I think mm. that'll still take time. But for me, no. Nah. Five goals to zero every day of the week. And it's it's this weird thing as well, being the last game of the round when a few results have kind of gone your way. It almost feels from a fan perspective like there's so much now pressure on this result, particularly the way the ladder keeps shaping Good up. Point. Where If we get this win, we just go that little bit clear. We know we've got some a tough game against Geelong you know, coming up this week. So yeah. if you if you potentially lose that, if you can beat West Coast and just get that extra bit of lead in that ladder, it's going to hold you up going late into the season. And then you're thinking, gee, if we if we stuff this up, when we're back in the pack and we might be out of the eight yeah. pretty quickly, 
you'd want to capitalize when other other teams are dropping their points. And so mm-hmm. I, I get the nerves. I get where we're coming from. And I even tweeted when that second quarter sort of fade out started to happen. Reminds me of that Hawthorne game that happened over yeah. in Perth where we came out and had one of the most electrifying starts I've ever seen. And then we shut the bed the next quarter and we just mm. disappeared. And this game was the growth from like that period compared to now where West Coast come at us and we we struggle for so many reasons that we're, we're about to jump into. But mm. how we were able to, to deal with that, absorb that in the third and then go on with it, that's the difference. We are such a better side now and that is so evident. And yeah, I mean, let's, totally. let's, let's touch on this second quarter. What went wrong, Lockie? Because like you said, 34 to nothing in that first quarter. How did we turn it around and and then show some of the worst Carlton that you can possibly see? It's such a funny thing in football that when that momentum is is there, like you said, it just it just feels like everything that go that can go wrong can. Um and then those little moments are the ones that are like broadcast super loudly. Yeah. Like I know everyone has their thoughts on Crips getting run down. Um, for instance, because things mm. like that just make the, the, the 45 point quarter feel so much worse. Um, but yeah, it was everywhere. If I had to put it on one group, um, for me, it would be the mids. It felt like yep. it was the midfield battle where they got on top. Um, I didn't necessarily think that the defenders could have done a whole lot with the supply that they were getting. Um, there was, I mean, you know, this is, I'll put my nuffy on for one second. I thought some of those goals are pretty lucky that West Coast mm. got. I didn't think there was really seven genuinely good goals in that. But for yeah. me, it was the, the midfield kind of, they got on top and some of our guys just seemed to drop off um, at the worst time. Yeah, it was definitely the midfield for me. I don't have the stat here because unfortunately I haven't had a chance to watch the game back and properly take the notes. But most yeah. of, and majority of their goals in that second quarter all came from stoppages. And that's the midfield switching off. I, I don't know whether it was structurally. I don't know if it was mm. just an individual player at a certain time not following his man, whether Nick Nat or whoever was in the ruck was getting a better look at it at times. But yeah. they were dominating us there. And it was we were so good in that first quarter at getting first use and getting that run and dash. And then as soon as West Coast started to get a bit of ascendancy in that position, we just sort of melted. And it's been a bit of an issue probably I'd say over the last month that when we've been our worst, it's been that midfield crop that have struggled for whatever reason. And, you know, mm, the the inside 50 stats, first quarter, we had 24, they had two. Second quarter, we had 12, they had 17. So they completely yeah. started to get the ball in there, but we were still doing it ourselves. And it was probably the biggest factor I was kind of looking at throughout this game. And you, you, you mentioned that some of their goals are a bit lucky and, you get a bit of a free kick here. Maybe you should, and the little things go don't go your way there. But mm. their looks, and, and yes, they were a bit more efficient, and they weren't missing. And it always hurts when no. maybe out of first quarter <laughs> where you've left a couple out there, and then they just don't miss a thing from everywhere. But yep. their looks were a lot better than ours. I, I kept seeing a yep. lot of our opportunities were, oh, cool, you're, you're 40, 50 out on an angle. There's a 20 meters directly in front, and yeah. It's that creation that was frustrating me at times, seeing how easy they were able to create opportunities compared to us getting a lot of that football. But we just couldn't get those really good looks close to goal. And maybe in that first quarter, it was because the ball just lived down our front, our attacking half for so long that they were able to just clog the space. Maybe that factored into our struggle Mm. to really put those goals on the scoreboard. But 
when it went the other way, it, it was awful. And, you know, we scored 21 points. They got 45. They got more than we got in the in the first quarter with our, all our dominance. And you talk yeah. about that midfield and contested possessions. We were negative 12 for that quarter. It was 30 to 42 compared to we had plus 10 in that first quarter. So complete mm. turnaround. And when you drop that off and they start winning it at the source, it, it can be hard to defend no matter who you're coming up against. Yeah, exactly right. And it just felt it just felt across the board as well with the mids. It was like, mm. Walshy, where are you? George. Yeah. Massive first quarter from George. He was nowhere. And then Cripper as well, obviously had a few blunders. Um Yeah. I know it's such a common thing. The the more mm. footy you watch, the more you see just how hard it is for one team to really dominate an entire game. Obviously, sort mm. of the big forty point comeback on the weekend. Collingwood yeah. run over the top of North. Um so hard to do, but yeah, it, it, I think for us to be that premiership team, we've got to be able to at least mitigate it a little bit more. Yeah, especially knowing that their crowd's going to get into it if they start scoring, and that just Didn't makes know. it feel worse when you're the opposition and they're starting to get up and about because we know West Coast have struggled this year for a, a multitude of reasons, but even fully fit, I don't rate them that highly. I don't think they're a finals team or healthy. No, no and way. But you give them a little bit of a sniff, and that was that was the issue. We couldn't just go out there and kick the first few goals, and then they go, it's not our day. We, we came at them, and we just couldn't do it. it. It just took a little bit longer for us to maybe absorb that. Um, was there anything else in that second quarter that you noticed maybe dropped off that, that maybe was there in the first quarter? Not particularly. The one thing I'll call out is the uh, – I see the, the videos going around all over Twitter today. Just JSOS getting to Cripper. After that yeah. play, um, I know you will have seen that. So good. And they're the things that mm. just make us a different team to who we were as little as 12 months ago because now we've, we've got that belief and we get around each other and we know that, look, the third quarter wasn't anything spectacular, but then we can we can put the foot down in the end. Yeah, it's nice to see that it's not just got to be the captain. We've got clearly other people that are trying to be leaders out there and when it's their time to step up, when they believe that, you know, their vo- they need to be vocal and say something that it's being heard and it's it's mm. it's what stands us separately from what we were last year. And I totally. don't want to necessarily just highlight Cripper because there are multiple players that were doing it. I remember Zach Fisher did it, it might have been the first or second yep. quarter, but multiple times we were getting Not the lot. ball and just thinking that, oh, we've got 10 years for some reason. And I don't know what was going on. And that was what was frustrating me. It wasn't just Cripper who held onto the ball too long was happening across the board and when the pressure's there when the, the momentum's going against you you've just got to be that little bit smarter and yeah. thank god we were able to get that chance to rectify it later in the game maybe yeah maybe it's the confidence that they're feeling like mm. we're we're asking for them to feel more confident and then in the second quarter they're like all right well i've got heaps <laughs> of bloody space and then we crucify them for it but yeah you're right there was a few of those gee they just they hurt but yeah Mm. And yeah, it was an interesting one because then third quarter, we're all pretty much shitting ourselves thinking, oh no, what is going to happen? They've come back here. It's I think something like 10 points or something at halftime. It was a a very close margin. And third quarter, I I was actually pretty impressed with what we were able to do. We didn't necessarily go out there and and dominate, but we stopped West Coast from from having their ascendancy and getting that goal late and just getting that lead out a little bit. 
definitely held us in good stead going into that last quarter. Did you did you see anything you did like in that third? It's funny, isn't it? It literally was four, well, probably three games in one. Yeah. If you want to put the the fourth, the first together, <laughs> and then the third, it was just yeah, this this big style. Arm wrestle. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. I I just didn't have any particular notes in that quarter to be honest, but I guess the only thing that I'll call out was just like the the faith that I had. Mm. And maybe it's unwarranted because of some of the performances that I've missed over the past month. But, you know, I just felt like that that we're the better team that we were going to be able to mm. do it in the end. But, yeah, what did you make of the third? Yeah, it, it, was, it was the concern of are we going to just fade away for whatever reason? We've seen what West Coast just did to us after... After we've come out there and shown our best football and then to lose that lead, sometimes that's where mentally you can almost lose it and think, well, what have we got to do? Like we just showed our best and now we've got yeah. nothing to show for it. We've blown it. And so many people will just falter at that. They'll completely melt away and go, that's me done. And West Coast can run over the top. And I was pretty proud that we we just dug in and just kept fighting, kept fighting. And eventually, like you said, I was confident that if we can just Keep that margin. Don't let them get in front. Maybe start to, to get a couple in, in head our way mm. that we could just run away with it. And ultimately, we then come out in that last quarter and it was very much the same as the, the, the first quarter. The leaders stood <sighs> up. We kept West Coast scoreless again. It's the first time since 1919 that a team has gone scoreless in the Unreal. first and last quarters. And in that second half overall, we kept West Coast to only eight points to our 61 points. And Ridiculous. I mean, that is the tale of of what where we're, where we're at at the moment and how impressive we are when we're on. The fact that the game was pretty much even going into halftime and we just stopped them. One of the most pleasing things for me about this game and about so many things this year, and you and I talk about this sometimes, these like hoodoos that we have as a club that have been built up over time. Yeah. Like when we hadn't got to the hundred point barrier, there were some other ones there. Then beating Richmond at the start of the season, then getting three on the trot at the start of the season, all these barriers being broken yeah. down. And this to me felt like one of those last ones. It's like, gee whiz, this team has just had the wood on us for so long. Yeah. It made it that last quarter, one of the most enjoyable quarters of the season by far mm. to be able to put our foot yeah. down like that. Yeah, what, we hadn't beaten them since 2014 when Menzel, you know, kicks that goal. <sighs> Murphy's run down the wing. Remember Don't it like it was that. yesterday. But Me too. It, I genuinely couldn't believe, although I, I could believe that because of how bad we've been, that that was the last time that we actually defeated West Coast. And it just, we needed to do it. These are the things, and Voss even spoke about that in his press conference, that like these little things that we're ticking off, we're breaking them all down. they there's not too much left, really. It's it's probably playing finals and winning grand final that are probably the only ones left. We've, yep. We seem to be knocking these things out of the park. And for the playing group that a lot of these players have kind of been through this, they've, they've lost to Richmond all these times. They've started 0-2 every single year. They've lost yep. to West Coast every single year. Now they're, now they're beating these teams where they're starting to get a bit more success and yeah. they can keep building on this and go into next season going, or to West Coast. We're not worried anymore. And it's just exactly. these little mental hurdles the that you're finally off. jumping. It, it, you don't have to sit there at the crunch time of the last quarter and think, oh, we just, we just can't beat these guys. 
Because I know, and I've I've never played an elite level, but I remember just at my little amateur level that there's mm. some of those teams that you could never beat. And there is that little thing that when they kick that goal, you just go, it's happening again. And you try not to, and you just try to keep fighting, but it's there. And so it's just, it's so good that we're getting rid of all of these. And, and what else did you love about this last quarter? Because I think we're going to probably talk about this last <sighs> quarter for the next hour or so. I know. I was going to ask you for your favorite moment. Um but I'll leave with mine. It just it was it was Cripper's goal for me. Yeah, because after just seeing everything on Twitter and everyone just slamming him mm. for that one play, it just felt good that he came back with a big last yeah. quarter, led from the front as I as I kind of said at the top, mm. um, and then slotted it through the goal kicking master that he's become in 2022. Yeah. Oh, look, that's definitely mine. It probably would have been Will Hayes' goal if that had I was just say sailed that through. Oh, I would have. I was up. Imagine. I was up pretty much as soon as that left his foot. Oh, um, fortunately, so was I. didn't go in. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely that Cripper goal because I actually thought he had a really strong first quarter. He was in one of my best. Okay. I was really happy with everything he was doing. As that couple of mistakes, one that leads to a goal, and because of the high standard that Cripper has sort of set himself. The fans mm-hmm. are on his back for whatever reason. I don't get it completely. I was more upset with everyone else also doing what Cripple was doing. But then to turn it up when we needed our leaders, we needed everyone to stand up. I thought him and Walsh were immense in that last quarter. Yep. Cripps had 10 disposals, gets his goal, three clearances, which was the most in that last quarter. Walsh with 13 and one goal, had two clearances, which is obviously the second highest there. If you can do that little quick maths. Um, but both of those <laughs> were just so instrumental around the ball yeah. when you saw West Coast dominate us in the second quarter. We needed that midfield to show it. And I mean, what more could you want from those two to finally start dominating and get it on the scoreboard? Got a big question for you. I haven't seen anyone talk about this, but maybe there has been chatter about it. What do you make about Maddie Cottrell's subdued celebrations? I'm not a fan. I, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, is he? Is it just the fact that he's too good now? Like, he's like, he's not just having to worry yeah. about his one goal being his high moment. He's like, no, I'm just actually good at football. My whole game is the celebration. Yeah. What, what, do you, right. what do you make of it? I'm a big fan of it, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. it. It's. I think it's genuinely like it. I feel like he's a more mature player. Like it just yeah. felt like that. That first, those first few games, as much as he's an icon for for that <laughs> and the game-winning goal he kicked, like, I just feel like he's got this confidence now on a different level where he's like, yeah, I'm going to kick these. This isn't surprising. I'm a goal-kicking wing now and I'm a part of this team. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to put out there because I, I'm very proud of his progression because he's, mm-hmm. he's one of the guys that we were like, is he going to like get a game this season yeah. with this list? Yeah, and look, you've missed out because I think I've I've touched on him almost every single week since you've yeah. been away because I've just loved what he's been able to do in this sort of wing half forward role. We knew it was the gut running was there, but his, his disposal and decision making has just increased so much. And and now oh. he's hitting the scoreboard. He seems to be such a reliable kick in front of goal now. Doesn't seem to miss many of these set shots. And it always yeah. seems like we need a goal and he always pops up, whether it is that match winning goal or whether it's just one in a quarter. He's becoming a really handy player for us. One of these little role players that, that goes in and he's not just this, you know, Mitch Robinson 2.0 where you're just looking for a bit of bite from him to hit the contest. Yeah. He's just playing good football. And 
it's so good to see quite a few of these players start to come up now. You can even talk about, you know, a couple of the small forwards in Durden and in Motlop stepping up throughout this game, playing their oh. role. And, and it gives you the, it gives you the win. This is how we've managed to go from outside finals into a potential contender for the grand final this season because, yep. you know, 80 to 90% of this team go in there week in, week out and apply themselves and play their role. It's it's just unbelievable. I love it. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy too. What were, what were your other favorites from that final quarter? Look... TDK, I thought not just that that last Unreal. quarter, but his whole game was just incredibly impressive. You know, he has the 16 disposals, 10 kicks, um, 10 contested yeah. possessions, four intercept possessions, eight score involvements, 10 pressure acts, seven clearances, four <sighs> of them being center clearances. I thought he just stood up all day. He might not have won the hitouts. If you look at the raw numbers, it was kind of the same in that Frio game. If you're just looking at the stat sheet, you go, oh, he had it got given a bath again. Not the case. He no, was of course so not. instrumental when we needed him. His ability to get hands on it from the from the stoppages and just get that ball going for us. I, I thought that was just another great performance for him. He's having just a, a great month of footy. <laughs> he's uh, again, he's just taken a step forward in every regard, as mm. you put so well there. Um against one of the, you know, obviously not who he used to be, but one of the premier ruckmen of the 21st century. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's doing it everywhere. Mm. All over the ground. He's he ruck tap. His tap work's improving. Um, yeah. It's good. It's going to mean that there's some big decisions to be made once we're fully mm. healthy about where, you know, we're just, the options are there even more, which yeah. is great. Love TDK. He was brilliant. One of his best games. And, and the op- optimist when all these injuries started happening was saying, this is a great opportunity for all these guys to step up and then hopefully they've performed well. And then yeah. when all these players come back, we're going to be a better side. And as much exactly. as I was definitely in that camp as well, you just never know what's actually going to happen. And deconing has just been unreal since stepping up into this role. Yeah. He might have a badish game here or there, but he's 22 years old playing a very tough Ridiculous. position coming up against some really good Ruckman in this stretch. And, just to see his growth and development, being able to be that main man for so many, so many hitouts, more than more than he would be attending those center bounces and stoppages if Pitonet yeah. was in there, having to shoulder that load. What more could you ask from him? He's, it's Seriously. just so exciting. It's so exciting. Yep. Um, but I would love to touch on throughout the game. I just thought the small forwards brought that pressure. You know, Durden and Motlop. Finally, they were able to kind of put it on the goal, goal sheet. Finally, one of them was able to do it because I know having Pommy on here uh, last week, we were really talking about those small forwards and we had a bit of a discussion kind of highlighting that their role isn't necessarily just to kick goals. It's a lot more about applying that pressure because the goals yeah. will come from that. They're not just in the team to kick goals as much as that's what we think a small forwards role is. Mm. But in saying that, we were hoping that one of these guys could come in and start to start to get on the end of them. And, and this week it was Durden. He gets his two goals. He had four inside 50 tackles, which was game high. Motlop had two inside 50 tackles, which was the third highest. Both had six score involvements, 12 pressure acts to Durden, 13 to Motlop. 
that's exactly the perfect game you're asking from these guys. And again, pick 37, Durden, and pick 27, Motlop. Mm. It would not be ridiculous to say that either of these guys could become like an elite small forward, yeah. one of the best small forwards in the game. They're still both mm. obviously incredibly young. Man. And then, yeah, you're, like you said, Dur- it was Durden this week for me. Then, mm. Oh, man. There's something about him. Every time he goes near the ball, the energy is there. Love the goalie kick where he just put the Jets on um, yeah. off off the front of Kerno. Um, yeah. And, he, and he's shown as well that he can get up the ground and use the ball well. Oh, God. Love him so much. <laughs> and, like, I'm just trying to get the actual games played from these two up because oh, like, be this, is, this is the crazy thing. Like, only 17 games for Corey Durden and, and Motlop, <laughs> he's only played this season. So let me let me find this because it's it's not going to be many. Um, it is indeed. He's played six games. Like, Dumb. imagine when these guys have played 50 to 100 games. We're talking about some absolute superstars in the comp. And you've even got a Matty Owies there that he, he most likely will come mm. back in who's been the best pressure player, one of the best for inside 50 tackles in the AFL, not just Carlton, the whole league. So it's really exciting, this little crop that we've got here that is still so inexperienced, but we're starting to see signs. It was Motlop last week. This week it's Durden. It's going to be amazing when both of them are at their peak, but they're both, what, 18, 19, 20 years old? Jesus. Ridiculous. You just look down Um, that, that list of 22 players and there's just... There's just so much. It's just a full team performance, isn't it? Mm, yeah, and just some just some stats to to show the the domination of that last quarter because mm. it just shows the the stranglehold we we had on that last term. It was 115 disposals to 43. It was 20 inside 50s to four, 11 to six clearances, 36 to 17 contested possessions and 69 wow. to 23 uncontested possessions. They didn't have a chance. We turned it on when oh. we needed to and we recorded our, our biggest winning margin since 2014. So Unreal. that's insane. First win against them in, since 2014 and biggest margin from the same year. The, the Blues are well and truly back. Um, any other big key moments <laughs> um, or talking points you got from that game? Oh, I could talk about every sin- single man <laughs> that wears the navy blue jumper, mate. Um, I'll just say, obviously, gee whiz, the Saints game, I'll, I, I need the people to know. It's the first game that I haven't watched at all in the, a good five years, I would say. Um, <laughs> but I, I did hear that um, there was a bit of cherubing underdone talk. Yes, big time. Um, coming back. And uh, I didn't get a hint of that at all in this one. Mm. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because in the um, St. Kilda game, he obviously had a lot of strapping on his knee and I think there were yep. rumours coming out that it was a, a potential, I don't, know, I don't even know, it was something to do with a potential injury that he had a while ago that's come back to the surface and it was unrelated right. to what he was actually not playing for. So it was a very odd, mm, weird right. thing, but he looked incredibly proppy. He was struggling to move. He didn't attend a center bounce. He was playing on the wing, this kind of half forward, half back role. We didn't throw Fisher in there, who was the replacement the week before. The whole game was just bizarre. (laughs) And then we've come out and we've gone, no, 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 let's fix this. And geez, plays an unbelievable game. And it's good to have a guy 
that knows the ground, that knows the conditions, because it was such a yeah. sort of slippery game. And he just started so strong. He was vital for us. I think he led for inside 50 entries. And mm-hmm. like that's what you want from him. He was sort of recruited to the to the club as that little outside bit of class to, to help that midfield and to be the one delivering the ball inside 50. So I think that the, the more yeah. we can get of him playing the way he did on the weekend, it's just going to help us so much as to add that little bit of point of difference to the midfield that we have at the moment. Yeah. He's, he's just a, such a great combo of doing the outside thing so well, as you say, but still mm. tough, still tackling well, you know, still willing to do the hard stuff when he needs to. Um, but he doesn't always have to when there's bloke like George and, and Ricky yeah. in there to do the, to do the dirty work. So yeah, it's, it's great. The midfield mix is, is so great, but like you said, it does seem like when we kind of slip up a little bit, it tends to be them first. So it's an mm. area for improvement. Yeah, it's probably the one thing that I know immediately as soon as the midfield struggles, everyone goes, why isn't Paddy Dow in there? And we've had this oh, discussion boy. so long. You can probably just go back to another podcast if you want to hear <sighs> any episode. full thoughts because I don't really want to have the debate anymore. I'm backing in the coaches. But I do okay. agree with the point in I do think we need – a slight point of difference in there. I don't think that's a Paddy Dow. I think it's more of that kind of Zach Fisher mm. burst away um, and a bit more yep. speed through there. I know that Paddy Dow is a bit of that burst, but can't play anywhere else um, is the big issue yep. for him. And I don't know if there's another player out there currently in that best 22 that can maybe spend some time and pinch it through there that can help when we mm. maybe are struggling or whether it's just, it's not about personnel. It's just the guys in there aren't executing because it seems like it works one quarter and it doesn't another. I'd love to know what is the big difference and what the coaches are, are saying isn't isn't working because that's oh, clearly yeah. that big issue. We, we saw it last week. We, we saw it against Richmond. When the midfield's not firing, it all turns to shit. And I, I just want to know the difference because we seem to be able to switch it on and off so quickly. Oh, mate, to be a fly on the wall in those coaches' meetings. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> That's what we want. Oh, please, someone. Sanctum. I'll sign any NDA. I'm sorry, <laughs> all the old listeners out there, but any oh, information I can get, I will. <laughs> you've turned your back on the podcast so quickly. How dare you? Don't worry. I'll, I'll start a burner account and just start leaking all the, all the goss out for us all. <laughs> Brilliant. But I can't believe we've gotten you know, half an hour into this podcast and we haven't spoken about two individuals that between them got 10 goals oh. for us on <laughs> the weekend. said their name. <laughs> Mackay and Kerno. Unbelievable. And oh. Like this is, this is what the big thing I've been talking about. I know so many people and I just want to repeat it until it's drilled in to, to Carlton fans' heads because I know we're all getting a bit nervous into the last stretch of the season with some tough games coming up. We're still a bit worried. Are people, are we going to make finals? What's going on? I'm worried about this opposition. I'm worried about this. Oppositions are worried about us. They're shitting Bloody themselves. Eyes. We kept West Coast scoreless in two quarters. <laughs> they scored, what, six in another one. Look at us. And anytime you come up against a team that has two key forwards, that even if the entry's garbage, they're getting their hands on it and they're kicking goals. You're going to be scared of that. And it's why we got, we almost won last week because we were able to still create opportunities when we're down. Mm-hmm. It is just an amazing thing for this football club to have. And these two are just 
They're, they're superstars of this football game. What did you make of uh, their dual performance this week? We can talk about another guy in a similar boat after this, but you just have to again remind yourself of what did we expect Kerno to be yeah. after all that time out? Like we need to revisit our predictions, but <laughs> I, I remember us saying it was like Harry being the leading goal kicker is just a no-brainer. Like there's yes, just no chance course. that Kerno is going to get anywhere near Harry's output. Kick 50 goals already for the season, Charlie? <sighs> Well and truly leading the Coleman now. He, he's oh. running away with the thing. It just oh. does. It just makes such a tremendous difference when they're both there. Um, it it's, goes without saying, mm. but the times when we can have those two big mm. options there rather than just putting the pressure on one, it, it makes a world of difference. And how crazy is it that Harry probably for about three or so quarters, you're going, oh, it's just, he just hasn't really Enough. had a great day today and that's fine. We can allow that. At least Kerno's out there. And then within about five minutes, oh, he's kicked five. Yeah. <laughs> and game's over. And he's just <laughs> absolutely buried no. West Coast. And to, to have players of this caliber, I just, I cannot wait for finals because how do you stop it? Like genuinely, how do you stop that? And if the ball's hitting the ground, you've got Motlop, you've got Owies, you've got Durden. Someone's going to be getting this. Fisher's out there. Jay Soss is doing bits. He was tremendous again today, just applying himself for the whole game. So good. How are you stopping this forward line? I don't get it. You don't, mate. You don't. And then we all have the <laughs> damn medals around our necks. Exactly. I love the positivity. It's so much better after a win. It's good to have you yeah. on this one. Finally back for a good win. And uh, like I said with Kurdo, just in terms of not see, not. Seeing the possibility of the output that he did, I just want to call out Doc as well because yes, oh, uh, another Mr. Reliable in this team. Just another great game. So efficient, um, such a good decision maker. Mm. And he just he just he's just playing mm. at an unbelievable level for what he's been through, as we've said many times, but it deserves to be called mm. out um, every time. He was absolutely tremendous. He was one of the few I thought in that second quarter, and then particularly in the third, that just when we were needing someone to stand up and and, and just yep. help us, help us out, someone please just win the football, he was there. 28 disposals, 21 kicks. Um, disposal efficiency was at 86%. Yeah. Four tackles, seven intercept possessions, which was the second <sighs> highest of the game. Eight score involvements from rebounding um, from 50. He had six of those. Um, and then 602 meters gained, which was the second highest again of the game. He was just absolutely Over. everywhere. So strong, composed, and just that just that leader that we were needing out on there when we were when we were down. Mate, say no <laughs> more. A, I, I got nothing to add to that. Beautiful, exactly right. We love like, Doc. Is the all, is the all Australian? Andy. Is the all Australian team just going to be like 90% Carlton at this rate? Like him, it's so hard to Sard, know. Weedering or Lewis Young, whichever one you want to throw in there. Um, it's definitely Harry and Charlie. Charlie and Harry, right? Midfield, keep them all in there. Cottrell on the half forward line with Fish. Beautiful <laughs> stuff. You absolutely love it. Will Hayes. Uh, he could be the, the sub for the, the uh, All Australian yeah, team. Absolute super sub. Uh, what did you make of uh, Will Hayes' little cameo there at the end? Yeah, very happy for him that he. Got to have that little taste, and I de- and I don't think it'll be the last we see of him this season mm. now because I think he he did enough. My God, mate, 
I leapt off that couch when the ball was in flight <laughs> because I was like, the boys are going to absolutely swarm. Oh, he connected. Mate, we were well about to. It. We're about to jump on a flight and hope we get there just in time to start celebrating <laughs> with him. Imagine us mid-air. Oh, no, he's missed it. we got no idea. Um, oh. But he was – like, I I want to preface this by just saying, look, he did come on very late. He's incredibly fresh. Everyone else has played three and a bit quarters of footy. It's always going to be a little bit easy. But not every single sub is able to have, like, a bit of an effect on the game. And, yes, yeah. game was pretty much done. We were running on top of West Coast. But what I was really impressed was there was this one play. It was just before he shot on goal that I think he set up Harry, who may have missed. Not too sure what went on. We had some internet dramas. I think me getting so excited <laughs> about Will Hayes, I just blew the internet broke down the here internet. in Mitchum. We K. broke the internet here um, over Will Hayes. But, look, I just wanted to say, I don't know how much you got of anything I was going to say. Well, We'll try to get some edit in there, but I just yeah. loved his ability to keep hard working there to, to get those possessions and, and keep pushing because not everyone can do that coming on as a sub. You've, you've seen some guys just not be able to really do anything. And yeah, it was only like five or so minutes, but yeah. it's exciting just to get a little bit of a glimpse of this guy. And I think given the opportunity, which he might get in the next couple of weeks because of maybe an injury to say a Jack Nunes, I'm excited to see if he can sort of plug into this team and, and what kind mm. of role he can carve out for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just felt like he was very composed for a guy coming in at that stage of the game. And mm. I mean, apart from that goal sailing through, um, <laughs> you can't ask for much more than it, than five touches from a guy in the last five minutes. So yeah, yeah like I said, I think, I think that opportunity is going to present itself before the, the season is out for him to have a bit more of a run. Mm. So that's good. Very happy for him. He's uh, he's done it the right way. Yeah, look, I, I think so. And I want to kind of revisit something that we we're talking about. Um, maybe this okay. goes away from the game a little bit, but I want to go into yep. predictions and talking about a sort of run home now because I haven't been able to chat to you too much over the last month or so. And no. Our sort of lot. predictions for these games. Um, I said we'd beat Essendon. We'd lose to Richmond and Frio. We'd beat St. Kilda and West Coast. So we'd get the three good. wins. We ended up doing that just in a different order. You gave you us... You don't need to read mine out. No, no, no. You no, gave no, us no. four wins. You were very, very oh. happy. I love the op- I love the optimism there. Um, you did correctly predict the St. Kilda loss. So that's the St. Kilda and the Gold Coast one you've done. So thanks for that, Lockie. Um, you, you've mozzed us. What are you sort of feeling about, uh, I guess, the rest of the season and, and yeah. where you think and how many wins you think you can, we can get? You're obviously very confident about the last month of footy, which in fairness, we were a good chance in all of those games to get up. Has how we've played over the last yeah. month with three um, going three and three, has it changed anything? Have uh, benchmarks changed for you now going forward? How are you seeing, mm. I guess, our run home? Yeah, it's a very good question. You could say it's an unpredictable season, but I think we say that every year. Mm. Um, I think the one thing that I'm thinking at the moment, every team right now is beatable. Mm. I watched the whole uh, Brisbane game on the weekend, which was not great footy, and they had a lot of outs, but they're definitely a beatable team. Obviously, Melbourne um, have shown that they're beatable. So I'm not... 
again, in previous years, we'd sit here and go, okay, that game is a definite loss. Yep. I'm not feeling that at all. All of these games mm. are winnable. Having said that, I don't really see a scenario where we come away with more than four wins yep. in this stretch. You'd be disappointed if we drop the Giants or the Crows, right? Yeah. And you'd hope that we even up the playing field with Collingwood. Mm. And if we can then get one of those three, mm. I think four would be brilliant. But I'm yep. going to say that we get three. Yeah, and the, and three was our sort of benchmark predictions at the at the midway point. Might have even been our predictions at the start of the year too. Um, but that was kind of where we saw things, and it's probably still where I see things at the moment. If we can get three out of that neck, that whole run home, brilliant makes us finals, and, and that's beautiful. That's that's all we ask for. But there's yeah. that chance that we we can get more. We beat Geelong, you know, this week, and and who knows? You then you yeah. then you're a bit more confident. You beat GWS, you beat Adelaide, you get on a roll. Who knows what could happen? You beat Brisbane. Oh no, are we going undefeated to the flag? <laughs> you know, it it crazy things yep. have happened, and I don't want to go like full nuffy, but I'm with you. you. Like you've said, so many different things can happen. We know what our best is. Unfortunately, we know what our worst is, and it's trying to to level those out and make sure that when we are down, teams like West Coast aren't getting forty points on us. In, in quick succession. And exactly. St. Kilda were able to do that. R- Richmond were able to do that. So like like you said, every team's beatable, including us. Teams can definitely beat us. You've just got to just got to switch on. And what's exciting is I know that our best is good enough. Uh, so I'm just incredibly excited for this next run home. This was one of those ones like I guess that Adelaide and GWS is coming up where you think it should be the win. And so for us to now be that team that just goes and gets that job done against these these kinds of teams. I go back to the Adelaide. I go back to the uh, the North Melbourne games where he's like, just beat them because you're better. And we're finally doing that, which is definitely a big tick in my book. Yeah, and it's dangerous, especially, uh, you know, we talked about this when we did our predictions for the end of the season. Like beating a team twice in a season is a big effort. Mm. And we've already seen that when we lost to Richmond and we beat Freo that, that that's the case. So that's another mm. reason why those two are danger games um, because they those teams have already seen us this year. But we've got a good reason mm. to be confident. And I've been really impressed with just how we've been able to just get through this patch where we've had so many key outs and so many players oh, have yeah. stood up. Like we finally get Weedering back this week. Honestly, he could have just rested him another week. He, he pretty much did have a rest <laughs> out there. I we didn't even need him because the ball wasn't down there and he was they just didn't even target his opposition player. Lewis Young stood up when he needed, and I'm sure Weedering would have, but he just he was out there having a yogurt and having fun because the, the blues were dominating. David Madden did ask ask us, was this the easiest game of his career? And I genuinely think it would have been. Oh. Would we have had would he have had an easier game in his six or seven years? I wouldn't have thought so. Like, I'm not trying to make this like a, a dig on you, but like we could have chucked you down there at fullback <laughs> and, it, and it would have been no dramas, no dramas at all. You would have absolutely held oh. your own for us down there. I really appreciate that, mate. I needed to hear that. <laughs> oh, but it, it's, it's, it's great. Like we've got Weeders, maybe Pitt coming back in the next week or two, a potential for a Gov to come back. 
yep. you can you know start to chip away and get some wins over the next month or so with these players returning. That's an exciting build towards finals, getting a bit of momentum and sort of starting to prime yourself for finals. And like you said about, you know, anyone can win on any day. Like hopefully we get the luck coming our way with some bodies mm. back. And, you know, some other teams drop some players for once. And we don't get a team, <laughs> you know, nice. after their coach is getting sacked or after <laughs> they're getting revved up all week. Or, you know, can we just get a team in a bad state for once? That'd be handy. Well, look, Geelong maybe may have Geelong. a win, yeah, but they don't have they it don't have uh, don't have Stewart, so maybe that's the little bit of luck that, that we right. need. So, I, I really right. do want to get into chatting about that game as much as I've loved talking about the West Coast game. So, I reckon before we jump into the fan questions, let's jump into some into some fan votes and um, love it. Came out in droves for this one. Chera very stiff to not get a vote um, over in in Western Australia. He missed out by one vote from you guys. But the man that took the one was Harry Mackay. Um, the man who took the two was Sam Doherty. And your man of the match was the Charlie Kerno. Uh, how are your votes, Lockie? Are they similar? I like it. Honestly, if I have to be honest with you, I changed them as we as we spoke. Did you just <laughs> talk about a player? Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, how good was that? How good was that? Um, so, yeah, I went with... Kerno with the one, I know, Ooh. ridiculous when you kick Stiff. five. And I'm also not even going to put Harry in there because, you know, a couple of Crummers goals, could have had eight. He's not in there. Um, I went I went two for Chez and three for Doc. Big, big. Yeah, yeah, I've gone similar, but I had to give a vote to the big man, Tom DeConing. I thought he absolutely yeah. deserved it. Well deserved. My one vote, honestly... Could have gone to about thirty blokes, and I remember I know. I'm going, I'm going against my word a little bit. Thirty, I was actually Greg Clark. <laughs> when I was, when I, <laughs> he gets it for that one touch. I think um, votes for touches. Uh, I was sitting on the couch enjoying the game in that last quarter. I sat there, turned to my girlfriend, and said, "Mate, if Cripper kicks this, he gets my one vote." He did. He's not getting it. I'm sorry. I've gone against my word. Uh, it's very on. stiff for Big Rick. I'm giving it to Tom Decoding. I'm giving the two to Doc. And uh, I've got to give my three to Charlie Kerno just for his, his sort of four-quarter performance and, and getting us over the line by, by finishing, which after last week, a lot was spoken about him not kicking through the ball and missing a lot of chances. Gee, you're not talking about that this week, are you? It's crazy how much things change in, in a week. I feel like if you were just kind of glancing at the game and didn't look at the stats, you felt like Charlie kicked eight and Harry kicked two. Like <laughs> you see, they both kicked five. It's like, really? They both kicked five? <laughs> we love it. 100%. Um, so I guess hit me with some fan questions, Lockie. It's, oh, it'd be nice to uh, have someone else ask me some um, this week instead of me having to do all the hosting duties for once. You're welcome, mate. Glad to take some <laughs> of the workload off you. And we'll pivot a little bit. Because I've got a couple here that um, have been replies to your tweets, but aren't necessarily questions, but want to give, you know, a bit of a platform to these because I think they Ooh, kind yeah. of express a lot of a lot of our feelings as well and just kind of rem- a, a good reminder of things. So John Couchy, I just wanted to read out what he had to say here. I'm, gu- I'm guilty of it and I'm sure all supporters were when they came back at us. Mm. The negative thoughts crept in. Um, and I guess that comes from where we've come from. But I think it's time we start thinking that we're a good team and are coached well 
and that will bring on and bring on the finals. Dare to dream. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, I just love that sentiment from John there. I think, and I kind of touched on that earlier. I think it's it's so hard for us to have the faith in those moments, but yeah. if we can do our best to try and turn that switch a little bit, and rather than you know feeling like we're going to get overrun, mm. start having faith in this team because they're they're starting to show it more often than not. Mm. No, I agree. I think it's that hard part where because we just haven't made finals and that's it's really all we're really wanting from this season. I know we might be wanting more as well. You, you might want to win a final and go further, but you just want at, at least to finally make finals, break that duck for us. And the nerves kick in for these kind of games that you pencil in as a win and then the team starts to come back at you and you're just like, oh, please. Yeah. Anything, I'd give anything for this win. And the negative thoughts creep in, but they just keep proving it week in, week out. Crunch time, they get it done. Absolutely right, mate. And then the second one here from the good man, Anthony, the lone wolf ant, a favorite on the pod. Uh, And he said, not a question, but to the fans. This is a bit more between games. Can we stop hearing about danger games or that we are doomed? It's all we heard last week. It was nauseating. Can we have faith in Voss? We've come a long way since 12 months ago when we were so heavily scrutinized by the media. Um, yep. So, yeah, not as much about the in in the game, but, you know, we, I, I mean, I, th- I thought that. It was like, if we lose this game this week, it's it's all over. Like, we, we can't come back from this. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, it, like, it, it's it's so hard to get out of that that doom and gloom mm. mindset from from where we've been as a club and we haven't got the success yet, but we're building towards it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just so hard to shift that mindset towards yeah. like, we're going to bounce back. St. Kilda was bad. Put it in the bin. We're going to mm. bounce back. It's, it's hard to do, but we, we need to be conscious of it. I think. Well, we've still not lost two games in a row this season. Once again, we have a loss. Which we bounce now? back the, the week after. And I guess I'm just weirdly, the, the word danger game gets thrown around quite a lot, but it's I just think every game is, if you're going to say yeah. danger game, because every game's hard. No games are a gimme these days. And I'm confident that if we lose one, we'll find a way to get one back in a game that we're not meant to. And maybe that's because we, we came out in that Frio game when I didn't expect us to. And there's been other games this season, particularly early, where you're like, oh, we might not beat Richmond. We might not beat yeah. the Doggies. And then we just go out there and do it. I have so much faith in this group and that extends to the coaching group too that if we are to lose a game like an Adelaide or GWS that you're expected to win, that we'll come out and we'll, we'll, be, we'll beat Melbourne because we'll just find a way to even this out. This, this group yeah. are good enough. and I, I do have belief that way that you see results every single round. You, don't, you can't predict them. Anyone doing footy tipping this year knows how hard it is. <laughs> don't worry if we drop one, we'll get it back. Love it, mate. We're very aligned on that. All right, now into the questions, the best part. So one from Navy Blue Baggers. Two good parts here. Um, we spoke about TDK a lot, but um, he asked, has TDK broken through a barrier of sorts? The last few weeks, he seems to have been building. And then today, he absolutely torn down Nui apart, which is mm. great. We can touch on that. But even more, um, I've seen a few people talking about this guy. What did you think of Honey's game? He didn't hit the scoreboard, but he had some valuable taps and one percent is it resulted in goals. I've seen some mixed feelings online, so I'm keen to get mm. yours, Brownie. Yeah, look, we know long-time listeners of this podcast know my love for Joshy Honey. Your man. 
Fortunately, he hasn't been great, has he? I, I'd love to get your thoughts as well on mm. him. Since coming back into the team, I've just wanted a little bit more. I thought he was a little bit scrappy in that sort of first game against Frio, but looked like yeah. he was just almost, he had a couple of almost moments. Thought, okay, give him a couple of weeks at AFL level. He'll figure it out. Was pretty poor last week, apart from the the one assist to, I think it was Motlop. And then yep. this week, it was again, like there's a couple of almost moments. There's a nice little tap here or there, but he's just not probably offering enough for what we're requiring in this role. He's not offering that defensive pressure like the other guys out there. And mm. if he's not doing that, he needs to be pushing up the ground, winning the ball higher, getting those marks that we know he can get because he, he plays a bit taller than his height. He can yeah, be a bit absolutely. more of a lead-up player and then hit the scoreboard. And unfortunately, he just looks like he's maybe not up to the pace. I don't, I don't know what it is, whether it's confidence. Yep. He maybe it's so hard for these players that miss big chunks of the season to, to really hit the ground running. He only really had that one game in the VFL where he kicked four goals. I think it was pretty poor the week before that. Come straight in. So maybe just he's one of those guys that needs some continuity, needs some form in the twos, go back there. Mm. It's not a bad thing. Get your confidence because he looked electric last year and he just hasn't recaptured that for whatever reason this season. What have your thought? What have you been mm. making of, of, of Josh Honey so far this year? Yeah, no, well said. Um, I, I mostly agree. Um, I, I think maybe I won't, I'm not as critical um, as I haven't seen the last well, the last week's game and, yeah. and only a bit of the freer one. So I'm kind of just going off this one. Um, a, a comment I saw someone say on Twitter was, um, it's hard to be critical of kind of a small medium forward in a team that kicks 17 goals mm. um, with 31 scoring shots. It's kind of like, and I yeah. agree with that to an extent, but I also think that it's mm. like, he needs to make way for always next week. If yeah. always is good to go, I think. Mm. Um, so I, I still have full faith in honey that mm. he can be, I, I think he can be in our premiership team. He can still develop so much more yeah. than where he's at. Still have the faith in him. He's your man. Um, yeah. He didn't do enough on the weekend, but also it would be like, if this was a loss and that was his performance, yeah. we'd, we'd be scrutinizing it a lot more, I think. Mm. And, and Vossi himself came out a couple of weeks ago and touched on how hard that sort of half-forward role is to play in this day and yeah, age. Sometimes you can just go missing in games. And so it can be a hard one to judge at times. But I think that what some other players around him have done this season, they've sort of set some standards of you can have maybe one game, but if it's two, three games in a row at that level, our standards yeah. are here now. You, you just have to be that little bit better. And unfortunately, he just wasn't at that. But I full faith that, that he'll be back after after some time, just getting that confidence back. Yep, totally right, mate. Timmy Dub time? It's probably I been think a little so. bit. It's been a while for you. We have a big schedule leading up to the finals, which you just went through. Uh, and securing a place is our main goal. Couldn't agree more with that, Timmy. Yep. That's what I've been telling everybody. Over the past few weeks that I've seen, make finals. That's all we care about. What would be the one thing that you're looking for to ensure we are a bona fide contender come September? Mm. Love that question. Yeah. He was due for a good one. <laughs> yeah, we don't often get some some any any quality out of Timmy Dub. We're, we're constantly 
he sends them in and we're, we're not even reading them out on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we absolutely love them. Uh, oh, he always, always makes me think way too hard. I could uh, jump in first if you like. Yeah, go for it, mate, because you'll probably end up stealing whatever I'm going to say. So it's, maybe it's about time that you get in before me. Touched on it before. I just think, and this is a cop-out answer. Stephen's not going to love this. He's going to smack his keyboard <laughs> after I say this. Isn't it just health? Okay. Like It's not where I was going to go, so he didn't steal it. Thank you. If we, if, if we keep our current side that we have right now, even if we didn't add any any bodies back to that team that was on the weekend, I'd be so confident mm. going into September myself. Um, so I feel like we just need a bit of luck to go our way. That would be the one thing if I said the one thing that would be a promise if we could just keep this health that we have right now um, and not and not lose any bodies. I'd feel I'd feel good. Mm. No, it's, a, it's not. A, it's a good one. I'll be a cop I, um, I don't think it's too much of a cop out because. I think the best teams, you look at it historically, don't have too many key outs. They might lose one or two, but they don't have the injuries that we've had where it's your best key defender, your best key forward, your best ruck, your only intercept defender, one of your better halfbacks, name about 30 other blokes on the list because they've all been injured at some stage this year. You don't have those kind of outs. And like we said, if you start to get these guys back, give them some games to get that, continuity before finals get everyone jelling and firing then you become a real contender like that so i don't think that's too much of a cop-out answer i'll go a different way i'm gonna say that it, it maybe mine's a bit of a cop-out answer talking about the, the gap between our best and worst mm, i need to good. see us and and maybe the st kilda game is a little bit like that but i really want to see us against a somewhat better opposition, someone around us on the ladder. If we have a poor performance where we're not 100% on like that St. Kilda game where the midfield's not 100% working, things aren't gelling perfectly, if we can find a way to win those games and just scrap a win, yep. that's when I think we're, you know, that that top four team in the, in the competition of really going deep into finals. Because at the moment, when we're not on, we're getting close, but we're not getting those wins. And I'll go back to Richmond. We got close, didn't get there. Um, St. Kilda again. There's probably probably been a couple of others this year. Collingwood another. When we're not at our best, we haven't probably got the chocolates. And that's the making of those premiership teams that even at their worst, they're still winning games of footy. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. That's not a cop-out. Nah, they're not cop-out answers. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that satisfies Timmy Dub. Never cop out answers um, on this pod. Only excellence. <laughs> Facts. Uh, two questions here. Kind of similar. Just talking about the small forwards again. Uh, yep. We've got another Tim. Oh, Timmy Ooh. G. Tim Gigantor. Timmy G. Our, you're going to like this question, I think. Maybe you'll put your tinfoil hat on. Um, our small forwards have loads of talent, but are inconsistent. Do we lure Eddie back to Carlton after seeing how well he's been with Stengel? Or is there someone else we could get to coach? Um, and then you and Morton asked as well, just what our thoughts are um, on how the small forwards are going um, in their mm. in terms of their roving and as well as how they're working up the ground. Mm. So we've spoken on them a bit, but I don't know. Do you have any more thoughts on more consistency for our small forwards or like where, 
Mm. Where can we where can see it happening? I mean, this is a game where yeah. what it was two two goals between the three of them is yeah. not what you want. But you know, when Harry and Charlie mm. are doing that. It's the hardest thing because the, the the improvement from these forwards is one of them becoming that Charlie Cameron, Tom Papley, where mm. one of them is the goal scorer. One of them is that guy that out of nothing, like Eddie Betts has been, where the ball comes in, and you're like, God, we just need a goal out of our ass. And just out of nowhere, through the pack, he's kicked an absolute ripper out of nothing. And Love Motlop's it. shown that at, at stages, but he's what, played six games of football. I think that's just where <laughs> it's at at the moment. Our small forwards are just inexperienced, and small forwards can be a really tough position as well. Because it's a hard one. And when that ball's not hitting the ground because our key targets are, are marking everything, it can be hard to rove them. And I, I don't think they've been perfect. But what I've loved is for probably the majority of the year, they've been bringing the heat, bringing the pressure. And yeah. I think that's the base for these guys. And then everything else is just a progression after that. And I, I just go back to inexperience. You look at even Owies, he might be that little bit older. But God, gee, how many games has he played? I don't have it on me, but I, I wouldn't think he'd exactly. be much more than like twenty or so games. He, no. I, what do you? I just, I, I sometimes wonder, and maybe this is just because of the standards that we're setting and where we think we are, or like what our expectations of are of these guys. Just because, yeah, you've got to take a step back at times and be like, just haven't played a lot of football, and even like continuity. Motlop hasn't really had. Played what six games? He hasn't had you know 10, 15 games in a row. Durden's finally getting that. Always exactly. has had a couple of injuries, been a bit in and out. So it's tough to really hit the ground running and become an elite small forward out of nowhere when you're just not at it. I'm not sure I'd I'd say bring Eddie Betts back. I think our coaches are good enough. I don't think you'd need necessarily like a, a small forward coach for them i think the skills are there i've seen enough from them i think it's just gonna be natural growth out of them and, or, yeah. or maybe we look to land someone in in the draft or, or someone we can snag from an opposition that can be that probably more probably more the cog I'm, where i think we're missing is that maybe what jack martin was meant to be mm. that guy that can mark and, and hit the scoreboard and be that x factor maybe that's just what we're we're missing at the moment yeah, no, well said. And I think the only bit I would add is, like you mentioned before, and like Vossi said, the way that we measure these performances needs to be different to how we do mm. to your midfielders, for instance. Like, they're not, you. yeah, you look at, what, if I go to Dirt's stats here, it was something like 10 disposals, like, you know, or, or Motlop, 11 disposals and zero goals. Yeah. Like, someone would look at that and go, well, that's not a good small forward game. But yeah. he did what he needed to do in this game. So the way that we measure them needs to be adequate mm. as well. Mm. The next step's definitely adding those goals, but I just I think that's I think it'll come for sure. Definitely. And then we'll move on. How these questions always seem to wrap up, because we always get some of these questions and we love talking about them. Love them. From Jace, how does the forward line look when Pitt is back? And from Dom, Pitt, Gov, and Williams. Do they all get a game when healthy? Oh, start with okay. Pitt. Pitt straight in for me. Absolutely. Pitt. Have loved TDK, but he's been our best Ruckman when he was in. And I think we've seen that, look, Saucy battles hard. He does some great things. He was the, the second 
highest tackler on the ground, and that's the heat he brings when he's around that contest. Absolutely love it. But, yeah, we, he's, he's definitely straight in for me. Um, Gov's the interesting one. I personally would have him in because those first two rounds, having that intercept down there looked incredible, and we haven't seen it yeah. since. No one has come in and played that intercepting role I just remember that mark against Richmond and then him pushing up the ground and creating by foot to point a difference and coming up against really good opposition that have two really good key forwards, having that third that can roam and really help. We've seen it's, it's something that can stop us when we go forward, having a really good interceptor. So probably Gov comes back and look, Zach Williams has been one of the much maligned players since coming over. I think the backline's held up really well personnel-wise, but he was probably just starting to get into some really good form before I thought so the too. injury. I was, gonna, so I was hoping I you think, would say that. Yeah, if, you, if you're saying everyone at their best, he's best 22. I'd say so. What about you? How are you fitting them all in? Do you think that they all squeeze in? I agree. I agree. I think all three are still best 22. Maybe the only bit that I'd add, and you may disagree here, I think it'll be matchup dependent, but I could actually see all three of them uh, mm. having a week in the twos to come back. I, I don't mm. think any of the three are your walk up, walk up in such a way that we bring you in, even if you're, you know, like Cripper's not having a game in the twos. Yeah. And, I maybe, reckon... and maybe, yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think Pido, just because depth in maybe the position I reckon would probably come straight in. I reckon you could, you could deal with a slightly underdone pit in there rather than the other guys. Like I, I'm happy to get some match fitness in there. Cause another name I'd want to throw in there is like a, where do you see Jack Martin as well? Cause would it, would he be oh, yeah. someone that needs to get some form for you as well? Or is he someone that you see as a best 22, two footballer? No, he's certainly below these three for me. Um, big friend of the show, J-Rob, and I were chatting about him on Saturday um, and that he's definitely not in the top five forwards to to yep. bring to bring in um, at the best of times. And right now with how we're playing as well, it wouldn't be mm. there. So, yep. yeah. But I mean, so on, on Pitt, uh, no, we'll, we'll get into the changes for this week. But uh, I, I, the reason I said opposition specific, like someone like... Geelong, you know, like with the with someone like Blitzarves in the ruck. If Pitt yeah. was good to go this week, you think we would bring him straight in? I would think so, just because of how well he, he sort of played. I think they see him as our number one ruck, and I'd like to see yeah. TDK be able to pinch hit a little bit more just to keep him fresh. Because I like what he's been able to do, and I think he might be even better if he's not run ragged being in the ruck for the, the whole game. Yeah. So in in that scenario, so I mean, it it would be like a honey to go out. Would it be, or would it be a more of a midfield type? That's where it gets tricky mm, because yeah, um, it's tough. as um, as mentioned in the question, um, it means that we've got the the four big tools then r- rolling through. Yeah. So it changes kind of the dynamic. <sighs> Gee, oh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I've, I've it's hard. We'll, we'll jump to kind of talking about the Geelong build-up because like the, the changes I've kind of got at the moment, I almost honestly forgot about Pitt, was Honey comes out, always comes straight back in, if fit. Agree. Um, then 
if Newman, or Newman, sorry, if Nunes isn't good to um to go with that Corky, mm. I'd kind of be happy with a Hayes to come in and see what he can do. I know that Nunes has been playing this more halfback role because of the personnel, but I would like to see. I think a Hayes through the ground would be really good. Um, mm-hmm. And then we haven't touched on him. He's been someone that I thought has had a pretty good month of footy, but had a bit of an average game against um, St. Kilda and then had a really bad game this week. And I think with someone else in the twos having a really good game again, I think Plowman probably has to make way um, and Stocker probably get to go because as much as I think Plowman's been really solid and done some really nice things, he just looked a bit panicked at, at times. And I don't know who allowed him to take the kick in in that instance, like, I didn't like out that. of all the pe- out of all the people, you just why would you allow that even an opportunity of that turnover to happen? It just seemed very, very silly. Like you wouldn't sit there and go, "Hey, Pitonet, can you take the kick in?" Like you just don't get the the people that aren't great users by footy to do those things. Uh, it was an interesting one, but like those three mm. changes would probably be mine at the moment. Oh God, I have no idea how you get pit into that team, but. He definitely comes in. You'd, you'd imagine. Uh, have you thought much about the uh, the changes this week? I like where you were going with it. Um, I'll, I'll probably get some head shakes from some listeners right now. I, I want to take the kick out out of it as an outlier yeah. because I agree with you. I said the same thing. Just why would this? Why would that ever happen? Yeah. Like that just shouldn't <laughs> be the case. So you just silly. shouldn't be doing that. I think I could go through the game right now. And uh, I, I'm not going to actually do this, but maybe I'll have to if I get any heat. I think I could find mistakes from every single player where they looked panicked in this game. Maybe not Weedering. I just mm. did not see the the what everyone else was seeing from Plowman. I agree that he made some mistakes. Every single player made mistakes. I'm not commenting yeah. on previous weeks because if you said that he's had a bad run of form, then yeah. I like it. And Stock is my man and he's the future. Um mm. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, all look, I'll you, say you, on that. you know, I'm probably the us two are like the number one and two ticket holders of the Plowman fan club. Like we just, we we always seem to back him up, and I agree. I do think others made mistakes, but it was just I, I want a little bit more assuredness. I thought just at times, whether it's just body language or something, but he looks and, like and he's I, about to cause an error. I don't know what that is, but even on top of that, because I, I tend to defend him quite often at being and, and doing his role nicely. It was kind of, it's another week I didn't love his all-round game. And yep. because I of agree. that, I think you kind of have to have some level of standards. And as much as I think he's had a good month before that, that's two so-and-so games. Someone else who's playing really well in the uh, in the twos can come straight in. But I can definitely see them saying he was fine again, go again. And yeah, I agree. It yep. seems strange that the the big story seemed to be Plowman again, where I don't think he was diabolical, but it was enough for me to maybe want to make a change. But this, and love that you went there because it reminded me of what I was thinking during the game. I agree with what you're saying. If Stocker comes in and has a performance like he did before he went mm. out, what then? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then Stocker's out for Plowman. Like it's mm. not it's not about the fact that I love Plowman and I think he's a premiership player. It's the fact that you look at who we've got to come in and we were all ridiculing Stocker for how he was yeah. using the ball and he looked nowhere near it. If there was and I, I agree that performances in the twos is good, but it's not it's not everything because there's every yeah. chance that we drop Plowman for this and Stocker is the worst on ground, um, but doesn't cop it as much because he doesn't um wear the number twenty. <laughs> 20. Yes. Yeah. For a moment there, I'm like, how much do I actually know this man that I love? <laughs> well, you're clearly not the number one uh, Lockie Plowman no. fan because we'd all know that he, he's currently, um, I might not be wearing a, a Carlton jumper here, but he's, I've always got number 20 on the back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's all I want well, to say on it. I agree. Plowman can make way if there's an absolute yeah. beautiful replacement like a McGovern or Marchbank is yeah. ready to go. But yeah, just hesitant on that. Yeah, that's all right. Would you rather say if a new if a Nunes makes way with the injury that a stocker comes in there instead? Is that more a change that you'd you'd like for yeah, someone yeah. that was playing a bit more of that halfback sort of penetrating role? Absolutely, absolutely. Good, good call out there. Um, mm. And if like if if Williams or someone like that was good to go, I'd yeah. I'd be I'd rather see see that than than Stocker, who it just it just felt like it was. Yeah, just when we saw him, he just wasn't up to it. And I don't know if a couple of good games in the twos is enough yet. Um, yeah. But yeah. And also, like, I know a few of those there were, like, if news is out for injury, like you say, but we just won by 65 points. So let's not swing the axe too much <laughs> because Plowman must have done an okay job if they kicked one goal in three quarters. Mm. And in fairness, their smalls all round, did they touch the ball? Liam who? <laughs> Willie who? Seriously. Like Never heard of them. The, the crop of small defenders, like I thought Newman was really strong. I thought Saad was really good. Doherty, obviously, we've touched on. And obviously, to an extent there as well, Plowman played his role and was able to stop these small forwards from really causing us a lot of trouble. Uh, they all sort of kind of rotate at times. And, and that's something that even when they were bringing the heat. It wasn't sort of the smalls that were killing us, which you've got to say and sort of applaud their efforts there in that game. So on the official Carlton site, they've got on the 27th of June, they said Gov would return, aim to return to some level of football around 18. I haven't heard anything mm. of you. I haven't heard too much. And I do have a feeling like you, because of his injury and his fitness issues, they would probably, if I was in charge, I would probably say, just give me a week of fitness in the twos rather mm. than like a form thing. I just want to make sure you can get through a game or whether it's three quarters of a game and then say, cool, you're good to go. Yeah. So if, I think that makes the most sense. So if, if, if Nunes did make way for say Stocker, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go Gov in for Plowman. You'd give him a week. Yeah, I think I would probably rather be a little bit more cautious with Gov knowing his, his injury past. Or do you, do you go the way I've seen some other people say, it's like, well, he's probably going to get injured anyway. Get what you can out of him. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Oh, we hate that. We absolutely hate that. <laughs> you feeling but, um, good about this game though? I am, weirdly. And I, I did watch them just beat Melbourne, which... Uh, and should make me incredibly nervous, but mm. there's always that part of you that goes, 
it was down at GMHBA. So how much does that really factor into it? I know at times Melbourne really struggled to clear the ball with those really narrow wings. And Melbourne's big game plan and how they play is so much through the Langdon and and the Brayshaws and those that do occupy those wings. So that ground cuts Mm. those guys out of it and can make things pretty difficult. So knowing it's at the G excites me. I maybe wish, weirdly enough, I kind of wish this game was at Marvel, knowing how well mm. we seem to play on that little dry deck. But Yeah, we love I, a dry deck. It's another one of these games that I'm less nervous. I'm more just excited just to test and see where we are now because we've had a bit of up and down form against sort mm. of, maybe you can say free was that little bit better, but... I think that sort of the, the Geelong, Melbourne, and Brisbane are kind of those top three for me. Everyone else is kind of sort of sandwiched in between. I really want to see how we compete against those and just how far off or or maybe where we are at their level. Hmm. I'm with you. What about I'm yourself? With you. I watched that game too. I, I didn't really... Neither team appeared that flash to me. Um, hmm. Neither will put in their best effort. But I'm with you. I, I, I was... I need to get some stats on this. If I if I was a big data man, I would do this. <laughs> How often does a team, you know, I feel like you want to play a team after they win. Like it felt like if Geelong I would love if, to if see Geelong, that. If Geelong lost this game against Melbourne, I'm like we're done. <laughs> they they're, they're going to bounce back. But the fact that they won, it's like this feels good. They're on top mm. of the ladder. They got a bit of cockiness about them now. It feels like the right time for us to knock them off. So if yeah. that's all that I'm going off, I feel I feel quietly confident. Mm. No, it's it should be a really really good game. It's a Saturday night, so a bit of a bit of a blockbuster clash there. If I can actually get that word out, um, we chatted a bit attendance? about changes. By the way, I will definitely definitely be in attendance. Um, what about yourself? You then? Yeah, definitely right. we'll be there. So if anyone wants to come and find us. Slide yeah, into those message. DMs. We will we'll definitely do a lovely little meetup for anyone. We'll never say um, no to a beer. Definitely. can never say no to that. Uh, drink responsibly, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and But we talked about changes. I don't feel like I really got yours. I feel like there was a little bit of fence yeah. sitting. And I've been pretty nice in your comeback. I but I, I've got to be a bit harder on this one. Give me your changes for this week, Lockie. I want to hear well, it's very hard because I'm looking at this injury list and I'm like, what are we talking here? The update dates are weeks apart. I don't know who's available. Let's just say for <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you maybe two options. You can have okay. Pido's no good or Pido's good. He's probably the only one that I will say is in contention. <sighs> okay. If Pido's no good. Oh, but then there's Nunes. Oh, I assume that Nunes is going to pull up, honestly. Fair. And if he does, and Pido's no good, no changes. Ooh. If Pido. Oh, so you would say I, you'd keep Josh Honey in there? Oh, because always. Oh, sorry. Always. Yeah, always. Yeah, always. always like, Let's say always that. is good. Let's say always is good. Yeah. If always is good, he's coming in. And I, it's Honey out. Um. Oh, gee, it's so hard. There's too many hypotheticals. I feel like normally we we know what we're getting. Um, so there's that. Yeah, look, Nunes. If Nunes isn't fit, then I, I'm with you on the Hayes call. Yeah, but it's 
It's a tough one I because then you lose that rotation in your back line. And I'm like, well, I don't know who else goes down there because I don't really want Cottrell. O'Brien's not that player. Do, does Hayes have to kind of play rushing off halfback and they deal without having anyone play that role down there? It's it's a tough one. The selection, I think I said this I do when it. Paolo was on. It might have been me Terry as well. I was like, mm. I don't want to be the selection person anymore. No. Last year when we were garbage, it was so easy to come in here every single week, strut in, shoulders back, and just say, yeah. this guy's out, this guy's <laughs> in, these are the changes. Now I'm going, I don't, I can't do it. God forbid, you know, Pitto's fit and trying to make that change as much as we want him in. That's that's they're earning their paycheck for once, I reckon. Facts. Facts. And that's why I'm gonna <laughs> put my nice thick pants on and sit on this fence because I don't have all the information <laughs> up, baby. And I also do not want to answer who comes out for pit because I cannot in mm. my mind right now picture the structure, no. but I, in my heart, I know that that's what we've got to roll with. Um, yep. But I don't want to lose the structure that we have. Boy, it's tough. Could I throw one out there for you? Go on. Let's say, could you... I'll steal one of uh, the Lockie-isms on this one. Could you see a world where a honey comes out for Pitto and they just go, Yeah, Fisher plays a bit more of that half forward. Cottrell maybe mm-hmm. can play a bit more of that half forward at times and they just they just get rid of that kind of position as a whole. Maybe a Kennedy That's- floats there a little bit more. You can kind of yeah. you know, move some, uh, some magnets around a little bit. I, I like it. I, I was going to say that before you reminded me of Owies, who we love and we love in the team. But yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. I feel like, yeah. well, if apparently Honey didn't do anything on the weekend, then it's just, it's addition by subtraction, isn't it? Apparently. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that's look, not a bad shout, I reckon. Look And look, we're clearly struggling with our team changes. So I will it's ask everyone... Who is listening to this now? If you're watching on YouTube, chuck it in the comments. Give us your changes. Give us your, th- your thoughts on the game. How are we going to beat Geelong as well? And if you if you listen to this in any podcast form, hit us up on the socials at Navy Blue Corner. DM us, tweet us, anything you want because we love to chat we footy love it. and we need to know the changes so we can then come on here and sound like geniuses, <laughs> steal your ideas and uh, put them on because uh, we are struggling <laughs> with these team changes this week. Um, Lockie, I guess we've been going for a while now. I knew the comeback was going to mean that this was a bit of a longer episode. It's great. Anything else that you think is maybe a big reason why we can win or how we will beat um, the Geelong Cats on the weekend? (sighs) I mean, I'm just going to have to go back to the bread and butter. The fact that there is no reason that this team, when you look at that last quarter, you look at this mm. whole performance, you go back to any game this year, why is there any reason that we can't beat a team like Geelong? Yeah. Who, how many more games have they won than us this year? Yeah. A single game more. There's no reason why we can't beat anyone. Um, mm. That's where we're at. We're ahead of where we thought we were going to be this year and we can, we can take a 21. There's no mm. reason not to have that faith right now. Home game, G. Oh, the crowd will be up and about, mate. Oh, mate, we are going to be up and about. <laughs> oh, it certainly will be. And I think I say this most weeks, and it's it's such a simple. You, you can say it's a really poor analysis as well, and I'm happy to cop that one. 
talent. Oh, there's we'll there's normally a lot of that for me. Um, but it's midfield gets on top. We win this game because you saw mm-hmm. it almost against St. Kilda if we kick straight. You saw it again this week. We've got the tools that you get it into them. They're going to mark it. They're going to get opportunities and they're going to kick goals. They've obviously got some really good forwards themselves yep. in Hawkins and Cameron down there. So if we can limit the amount of entries, we've seen our defense hold up pretty well without a weedering. We've now got weeders back. That's definitely going to help us come against these two really strong beasts down there. So if you can just win that midfield battle, like that's the game for me because whoever gets the ball into their forward line more, I think wins this game. Whoever gets more forward entries wins it. And it's probably a really simple, stupid analysis because it sounds like, of course, the team that gets more forward entries wins. But that's just where I'm seeing this game completely because I think we're very similar with the way that it's get get it into the key pillars. So yeah, midfield has to be on top this week. You're filling me with confidence, mate. That's good to hear. That is good to hear. But look, that's probably going to wrap this one up. I'm very happy to have you back, Lockie. I've loved the guests and we're going to have to get these guys on now that uh, you're back, but it's been great to chat to you once again. And it was great to be joined with you with a beautiful win against the West West Coast Eagles. Let's hope we do it again against the Cats. I can't believe I've left it this late, um, but was it a, a good decision to, to leave us SPS? There's my drive-by for the week. Oh. Catch you guys <laughs> next time. <laughs>